One of the weirdest parts of being alive today, at least for me, is the surreal distance between my confusion and other people's certainty. To me, it seems like the world is facing a wildly complex set of challenges, problems so complicated I can barely understand them, much less manage to form a strong opinion about how to solve them. And yet, I'm in contact with a steady stream of people who don't feel this way at all. To them, the problems appear much clearer, and so do the solutions. But rather than engaging in generous and fruitful conversation with one another, something many of us have mostly forgotten how to do, we quickly size one another up, draw battle lines, dig in our heels, and pass judgment on one another. We talk as if anyone who disagrees with us is stupid or evil or insane or all three at once. And not only that, but the true believers judge people like me who refuse to line up on the side of the righteous. And of course, I return the favor. I foolishly and self-righteously judge them for being foolish and self-righteous. And so we plunge ourselves deeper and deeper into the endless chaos of endless condemnation. Now, I'm painting with a broad stroke, obviously, but I don't think I'm too far off the mark. Our judgmentalism has metastasized. It's out of control. And because it's doing real and serious damage to individuals and to society, I think it's worth exploring together, especially when so many of us find ourselves in the absurd position of knowing that Jesus calls us not to judge and yet continuing to judge anyway. And while we may want to chalk up our current condition to sin or to political polarization or to social media or whatever, I think there's also something else at play here. Most of us haven't spent much time thinking about the precise reasons why Jesus commands us not to judge, or at least I hadn't until recently. So that's what this sermon is about. And the idea is pretty simple. If we gain a clearer sense of why Jesus calls us to stop judging one another, that can help us stop judging one another. Or to put it even more precisely, gaining a clearer focus on the logic of the command can be one way that God enables us to obey the command. So that's the plan. Let's begin with prayer. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on us. Silence in us every voice but your own. Speak to us through the reading of your word and awaken us to love and trust you in faithful obedience. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our passage for today is Luke chapter 6, verses 36 to 42. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use it, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Let's start with a simple question. When Jesus commands us not to judge, what exactly is he commanding us not to do? First, the obvious point. Don't judge cannot possibly mean don't make discerning judgments. Being discerning is the same as being wise, and Jesus definitely does not want us to be fools. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of truth, and following Jesus is an extended apprenticeship in reading reality in the light of his resurrection. Discipleship is a long process of learning to see ourselves and all things in relationship to Christ. So when Jesus tells us not to judge, he's definitely not telling us to stop making wise judgments about the way things are. But then what is he telling us? As it turns out, the answer is right there in verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. The command not to judge is a command not to condemn. When you judge someone, you set yourself up as judge and jury. You weigh the evidence, and then you declare someone guilty. You close the book on that person or on a whole group of people. And once you do that, there's no reason to keep listening to what they say. 
your mind is already made up. This person or group of people is beyond redemption. They are invincibly ignorant and hopelessly lost. And when Jesus commands us not to judge, he commands us not to reach that conclusion about anyone, period. And at first, his reason seems clear. Verse 37, judge not and you will not be judged. But if you think about it, the threat of judgment can't be the reason for the command. It can be the consequence. It can be what happens when you break the command. But it can't be the reason for the command. In Washington State, where I live, there's a law against riding a motorcycle without a helmet. But the reason for the law is not that you will get a ticket. That's the consequence of breaking the law. The reason for the law is that if you crash and bunk your head, your brain might come out. And it's better if your brain stays in. But then why does Jesus command us not to judge? In our passage, he gives two main reasons. The first is that we're incompetent. We're no good at judging. And the second is that we lack the authority. We have no right to judge. Let's start with the first reason. Think about what's happening when you judge someone. You're doing it because you think you can. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. But Jesus is saying, you know what? You are not any good at judging. You think you are, but you're not. You are convinced that you see clearly enough to judge, but every single one of your judgments is a misjudgment. And to drive home the point, Jesus tells a joke. The images of the blind leading the blind and someone with a log in his eye trying to remove a speck from someone else's eye are comedy sketches. The point is to show how absurd it is when we judge people. Jesus is saying, this is how dumb you look to me when you judge people. Consider the religious and political leaders who judged Jesus. They just knew that they were doing the right thing. Jesus was breaking the law and acting like God. Of course he needed to be judged. What could possibly be more obvious than that? Now notice, they were perfectly certain of their assessment, and they were perfectly wrong. And Jesus is saying, it is exactly the same when you judge people. You are no less wrong than they were to judge me. So honey, just go ahead and don't do it. You are not any good at it anyways, so you might as well just stop. My wife, Janet, is a pro at being kind and loving. She is just an unusually good human being. And as an added bonus, she's handy. 
She built a fence in our backyard. She fixed our washing machine when it broke. She ripped up 2,000 pounds of tile in our kitchen with a massive jackhammer. Janet is a boss. Our daughters and I call her Handy Jan. I, on the other hand, am useless at fixing things. But I still try. I even have a little tool rack in our garage. And sometimes when I'm tinkering with something, I glance up and I see Janet watching me. And the look on her face is a perfect blend of sadness, pity, and derision. And I'm pretty sure that that is exactly how Jesus looks at us when we judge people. Now to the second reason Jesus gives us for not judging. You shouldn't judge people because you don't have the authority to judge. Now, my guess is that each of us judges for slightly different reasons. Your reasons probably aren't the same as mine. We just do it, often without a clear sense of why we're doing it. But here's something that is clear, something that's definitely happening when we judge people. We're acting like we have the authority to do it. We're acting like it makes sense for us to judge. But according to Jesus, you have no more right to judge someone than you have to kidnap someone or steal their identity. None whatsoever. Jesus is saying, look, you can act like you have the right to judge people, but you don't. Only God has that right and he hasn't delegated it to you. Why? Because he does not need your help. And when you think about it, Jesus isn't really even commanding us not to judge. I mean, he is, but what he's really doing is giving us permission not to judge. Jesus knows that we like to judge. He knows it makes us feel good for a second. But he also knows that continually judging people is exhausting and depressing. It hardens us and weighs us down. It traps us and eventually makes us miserable. The more we do it, the grumpier we get. And the less convincing we become as witnesses to the love of God. Think about it. Why should anyone outside the church believe anything that we say about God if they see us continually condemning those around us? There's what we say about God, and then there's who we are. And who we are says something about God. Judgmental Christians are embodied contradictions of the story that the church lives to tell. Judgmental Christians make the mercy and the grace and the love of God less rather than more plausible to people who hear us talk about it. And Jesus wants to free us from all of that. 
He wants to relieve us from the burden of an angry and judgmental spirit. And here's the really genius thing. He relieves us of that burden by giving us something better to do, something we have the competence and authority to do, something that gives life to us and to others, something that builds public trust and contributes to human flourishing. Verse 27 in the same chapter, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Verse 31, do to others as you would have them do to you. Verse 36, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Jesus rescues us from the way of judgment by placing us on the way of love. He pours his grace into our lives by putting us to work. He heals us from the poison of a judgmental spirit and ushers us into what Paul calls the life that really is life by training us to love our enemies. And this really is a brilliant strategy the more you contemplate it. Because Jesus knows that you cannot simultaneously love someone and judge someone. You can do one or the other, but you can't do both at the same time. And that's worth thinking long and hard about. Consider the attitudes of love, the practices that love requires. Sympathy, compassion, attention, prayer, patience, generosity, selflessness, hope. These are not practices that you engage in while you judge someone. You just don't. You can no more love someone while you are judging them than you can swim while you are sitting on your couch. It's not that it's hard. It's that it's impossible. Love and judgment are mutually exclusive ways of being. And Jesus continually calls each one of us during every moment of our lives to turn our backs on condemnation and to walk in the way of love. That's how Jesus loves us. And that's how he trains us to love our neighbors. So after all of that, the logic of the command turns out to be quite simple. Why shouldn't we judge one another? Because we are no good at it. Because we have no right to do it. Because it damages us and it damages society. And because God has something better for us to do. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm-hmm.